episode of Community Matters Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of the Keystone Chapter of Community Associations Institute. Today's conversation is all about best practices for community association managers that are new to the profession. Our panel discussion will address things like how to handle the variety of roles of a manager, how industry volunteerism can benefit career growth, and important tips to help new managers learn. My guests for today's discussion are Kathy Dunn, CMCA AMS PCAM, Community Manager of a Pocono Country Place Community Association, Lynn Hartman, CMCA AMS PCAM, Branch Vice President for Associate Mid-Atlantic, and Rosie Brophy, AMS, Portfolio Manager with Access Property Management. Ladies, welcome to Community Matters Podcast, and please tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Good morning, everyone. I am Kathleen. I'm an on-site property manager, uh, 4,575 properties located in the Poconos, and I have been involved in community association life for approximately 20 years in various levels and areas. And I'm excited to have new managers listen to this podcast, be able to get some tips from all of us to be able to help you nurture your career and your growth. Hi, I'm Lynn Hartman. I am branch vice president for Associate Mid-Atlantic. I've been in the industry for about 18 years. Um, I've had a um, career in portfolio management um, from the, in the Southern New Jersey area. I have been a CAI member for about 15 or so years, um, an active member, uh, volunteering in many of the different committees, which we will talk about a little bit later. Um, but I welcome everybody to this podcast and hopefully you'll get a, a few tips out of, of what we have to say today. Good morning. My name is Rosie Brophy. I have been in this industry for a little bit over 15 years. And um, it has been a very rewarding experience. Um, And I welcome and I I know that CAI is in the process of maybe instituting or reaching out to college professionals and kind of guide them into this industry. There is just so much to offer. And it's such a varied everyday experience that if you embrace it, you will enjoy your job. (laughs) And um, we're here to help. And I hope for the new managers, uh, this will be a a good episode for you. That's great. Thank you all. I I do want to say that Kathy, Lynn, and Rosie have all been longtime volunteers with with the Keystone chapter of CAI, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, uh, we're excited to have you all here um, so you can share your experiences with new managers that are coming into the profession. Kathy, let me start with you. Let me ask you, how can a new manager learn the variety of roles and responsibilities that they now face? And what advice would you give to a new manager when it comes to delegating tasks in order to ensure that they are successful? and foremost for a new manager that's coming on board, you have to learn the demographics of the association. And there's varied information from being on site, portfolio, and um, contracted. 
So all of that in between understanding the governing documents of the association and the organization's organizational chart and understanding that, you know, what is the role of the manager within that association? Um, when someone wants to be a manager and successfully delegate, they want to make sure that first and foremost, communication. Um, our lives revolve around communication. We want to make sure that it's effective. Make sure that the individual that we are delegating the information to understands exactly our expectations and what the task at hand may be. Sometimes that's not necessarily all of the steps because they may have a different approach or a different way that they will accomplish it. However, they need to understand that will you have a benchmark where you meet weekly? Is this a two-week project, a three-week project, a three-month project? Um, is there time to redo the job if something should go awry? Um, how important are details? How brief can the project be explained? Is adequate good enough? And who is the receiver of the information of that project? And we want to make sure that when we are assigning tasks, that we're not feeling dumping it on them. Because the proper delegation, you want to make sure that the work is getting distributed evenly and efficiently completed. And that could be across the board within your office. And it's really key to be able to make sure that the staff members understand how you delegate, because then they'll be successful in accepting that delegation task. So there's a lot of new managers coming into the profession. I think you're all aware of the statistics from CAI about the increasing need for new community association managers. It's hard to fill open positions. Um, new uh, young professionals coming into the industry right out of college. There's also a lot of people who this may be a second career. Rosie, what's the most important tip you can offer to all of these individuals about how they can learn their role as a new community manager? I think the important thing is to ask questions, especially if you are new to this industry, don't be afraid or be shy. Uh, you know, we are here to help. Sometimes the busy manager in your office might turn out to be your best mentor because we all take pride in our work and we welcome introductions. You know, everybody wants to shine and feel knowledgeable, and, and, and we are. We tackle so many different tasks every day with different vendors that, you know, at least I always enjoy being able to explain something, especially because, and I can relate to my kids, like when they were little and you would tell them something, you were it, you were the star, and you, if you had the answer and you're, you are able to communicate it, it's it's a it's a great feeling not only for the giver but for the receiver. So be it a company policy, legal requirements, specific community needs, just explain it. Uh, offer that advice. Um, participate in staff meetings. Get involved in CAI. Take it the educational courses, and you will always learn from the best. That's good advice. Uh, one of the one of the most important roles that all community association managers have is working with homeowners and board members. And as you all know, because you're experienced, 
Um, that can be challenging. <laughs> so Lynn, how do you remain calm when homeowners and board members are being unrealistic? Um, trying to remain calm is all part of dealing with stress and the stress created by a homeowner or a board member um, screaming at you or adamantly making a comment that you may not necessarily agree with can be very tough to handle, especially if you're on a, in a face-to-face -face environment. So I always just, just relax, breathe, right? Number one, just keep your breathing, you know, count to one, count to two, count to three, whatever you need before you respond. Think about your response before you say your response. Don't react just because that's what you want to say. Speak carefully and be precise with the message you're trying to deliver. Um, listen, listen to what that person is telling you. Show a little empathy, put yourself in their shoes. What, what, is, what is the message that they're really trying to get? What is the answer that they wanna hear? Um, listen, um, and so you're responding with accuracy. Get all the facts first before you just react with an answer. Um, and listen, listen to what they're really trying to tell you. Um, is it a true message? Um, you may not necessarily like what that person is, is telling you or screaming at you or yelling at you or, or um, but put yourself in that person's shoes and try and relate. And again, empathy is, the, is really important. You really have to listen, trying to understand their perspective their perspective when you don't necessarily have to agree with what they're saying. Um, listen without interrupting, let that person speak. Sometimes you need to stop talking to hear what they're actually trying to tell you. Um, pay attention to your nonverbal gestures. Are your hands swinging all over the place? I get it, I'm Italian, I do the same thing. No offense, Tony, but some of our Italian in us, we, we get all over the place. But be conscious of your body language, especially when you're face-to-face -face with somebody. Um, receive criticism successfully. Accept what is said without giving advice. Listen to what that person has to say. Or maybe try a different approach. I understand why you feel that way. Acknowledge that person's feelings. Um, by doing so, that doesn't necessarily, again, agree, mean that you agree with what that person is saying. Um, and then lastly, make a conscious effort to hear how you really speak to somebody. Um, do you have a positive or negative attitude on, on your approach? Um, are you coming off snappy, which puts the other person in, de in the defensive mode? Um, what's the tone of your voice? Is it, are you high? Are you angry? Or, or are you really trying to get your message across? So really listening to understand the needs and wants and the sensitivity demonstrates the caring attitude, which really will help any stressful or unruly situation that you're in. That is wonderful advice, Lynn. And, you know, I think that happens to us all the time because since we deal with things every day, every day, when a homeowner reaches out and wants to understand why he, 
installed and owning without an exterior modification application and went through the review process. To us, it's everyday business, but to them, it's something new. So that's great advice. Be patient with your homeowners because sometimes they honestly don't know and you don't need to cap an attitude with them when we are in the service industry. Thanks, Rosie. Those are are excellent points um, from both of you. So, Rosie, let me ask you that, you know, there's there's two different kinds of roles, many different kinds of roles for managers, but, you know, two of the most prominent types of community managers, on-site and portfolio management. Let me, let, I'm going to ask you about both, but let's start with um, on-site managers. What what advice would you give to a, to a brand new on-site manager? Ooh, if you're brand new <laughs> or this is your first time uh, going into an on-site, Just remember, you are the face, not only of your company, but of your board of directors and of that association. So you really want to put yourself out there. You are in a completely different role. And to me, having been in an on-site on a very advantageous role, you get to meet your homeowners and establish one-on-one communications. So embrace that position. For new homeowners, schedule welcome introductions when they buy into the community, meet with them, introduce the rules, talk to them about the amenities. You can then have the ability to touch on those high areas where if there's a problem with a noise or dogs or or using the recreation center, this is your time. And this is also your time to cultivate those relationships that may join a volunteer committee, eventually become a board member, make them your allies. Make, you don't have to be best friends with people. Just be cordial and explain. As on-site management, is, it's a completely different world, but it's a great world. Embrace it. You'll love it. So I imagine those challenges then are kind of amplified for a portfolio manager who's handling multiple communities, and that comes with its own unique set of challenges. Rosie, what advice would you offer to a new portfolio manager. Okay, so having been in both worlds, portfolio management is completely different. And I think if you are in that role, your best um, ticket and winning ticket will be to be absolutely organized. You need to, for me, when I came back into being portfolio and managing several communities, my one ticket was to create consolidated logs in Excel to track and keep information handy. Um, being, if you're, when you are busy and things that come to you every day, every second, there, there's something happening. But when you get a call and in, sometimes you just draw that blank having a one location to go to. I organize for all of my communities. I have an Excel tracking log for all my snow vendors, for my track service people, uh, for everything. So for example, let's just take trash haulers. I have it by the community, who services them, the day of the week, who's my account rep. So if something happens, I can go to that one location, not rely on my memory to make a mistake because you know, things happen. Um, But that way, if something happens, I can go to that exact same spot. And I have a tracking log for for everything. One other big thing um, between your your communities would be to just keep track of 
what's the monthly fee for that association? What's the capital contribution? Um, it, you know, keep it handy, keep it in one location, be, be efficient in, in your everyday activities. So time management is an important talent to master for any community association manager. Kathy, what's your advice on the best way to meet deadlines? First, I always tell anyone coming in that's a manager, make sure that you're always going to be the hero, not the zero. If you give a date of a project due, you better make sure that you have that date. And I always advise everyone to give yourself a couple days. If you think it's going to be done on Wednesday, give till Friday sometimes things happen and our schedules can be hectic as you know Lynn and Rosie both gave you know sometimes things happen we get pulled away from what we thought that we were going to be able to do and, and time is an hourglass and it just sometimes slips away so make sure that you give yourself enough time find your peak work zone when do you work best is it early in the morning is it midday after lunch is it in the evening um, find your best location also. You know, do you work best, especially now in our, in our post kind of COVID world? Are you out of your home office? Is that your best location? Is it in the office? Um, quiet, around people with, with a think tank. You know, find your spot in your little niche. Make sure that, you know, you identify your time. Are you wasting time? And what are those time wasters? Create your goals and also prioritize and, you know, reprioritize, write it down on paper so that you can keep track of it. There's nothing wrong with coming in on Tuesday and saying, I'm going to get these three tasks accomplished. Well, while that day starts, you now have two other tasks and you may have to go ahead and reprioritize. That's okay. But just make sure that you're prioritizing and trying to meet those deadlines. And as Rosie said before, you know, number one is really organization. Make sure you are organized because the more organized you can be, the more successful you're going to be, the more your team is going to have faith in you and they're going to support you and believe in you. And they will be part of the team rather than, you know, an obstacle or a wall that you might hit because you're going to lead by example and they too are gonna to pick up some of your habits. And, you know, use the tools that your company gives you. I mean, you know, just an outlook. You can keep track of your, of your projects. Uh, you know, just go to notes, uh, put yourself a deadline. If you're waiting for a bid or a particular contract or for a proposal that you need for your board meeting and you need to put in your management report, set yourself a deadline like Kathy just said and follow up. But if you put it in, in your tickler file, it'll come up every morning. You can follow up and create those logs. I have it for everything, especially for communities that have recurring services. Like in March, it's window cleaning at one of my properties. I have it in February. Reach out to the vendor, schedule it. So, you know, use your company's tools. We're all here to help. Kathy, thank you for the tip about um, scheduling and allowing additional time to get your tasks done. It's, there's nothing worse than telling a board that you don't have something that you promised on a Wednesday and here it's Friday and you have to say, I apologize for not getting to this to you sooner. And in this industry, let's be realistic, there may be a fire. I mean, a literal fire, 
fire or yes. something came up in the, in your office or something happened or something um, had to, to be pushed to get something else done sooner. So allowing that extra time is a great tip. Thank you. So I mentioned earlier that all of you have been very active as volunteers with CAI over the course of your careers. Um, Lynn, how does industry volunteerism benefit career growth for a community manager? This is, you know, I thought about this question in advance and um, I don't have a lot of notes. I'm gonna speak really off the cuff on this. Um, I began my career with Associa, as I said, um, 15, 18 years ago. And funny, when I, when I first interviewed, I sat in my boss's office and she had all these certificates on her wall, Nancy Hastings. And I said, one day I'm going to have all these certificates on my wall. And that was really my goal. I just like that, that credit on my wall, I guess, so to speak. So Nancy um, really guided me to CAI from day one. And through joining the various committees, I've served on many, many committees within CAI and have met so many tremendous people in all phases of the industry, whether it's a painter or business partner or an engineer, um, co-workers like, like Rosie and Kathy, who, who are co-managers, co I should say, um, that are in the same industry and we can share our stories. And, and when you're upset, you can share that story. Or when you have something good happen, you want to brag a little bit about that. But so with benefiting through, and I'm going to use CAI, you can, volunteerism in, in any capacity is a great aspect. But specifically with CAI, I'm going to focus mainly on that, um, is really how you can build your career. Really, I wouldn't have had the career. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today without CAI and the education it has provided. Um, it helps you reinforce your skills that you're already learning that you don't realize that you're doing. Um, it helps you develop new skills, speaking publicly, which I'm terrible at. I can't believe I'm doing this right now, right? <laughs> um, you know, standing up in front of people and um, it really just helps you interact and engage and, and learn some of the things that you don't know that you already do, but it enhances your career over the years. So I didn't know Kathy or Rosie, you know, we've all been CAI partners and it, it for many, many years. I'm sure if you guys wanted to add a little bit to that. And you, you know, Lynn, it's funny because one of the biggest things of volunteering for the chapter is that networking. And sometimes there's an issue even that I might be feeling like I'm in over my head or I might be frustrated. And meeting at an event and having that opportunity to have wonderful managers at my sides, such as you and Rosie, and to say, hey, this happened. And either you or another manager will say, I had that happen and this is how I solved it. Or, wow, let's think tank this. And that happened? Did you try this? Did you try that? And sometimes, you know, that's real life. And you're not going to get that out of a textbook sometimes. And, you know, you're not get at an event immediately, but somebody somewhere has probably encountered that. And that is worth its weight in gold because it makes us just a stronger team 
even though we're not, you know, the same association with the same chapter. So it makes us stronger managers. It makes us make our managers and our employees stronger and our board stronger because that information is just invaluable. And, you know, kudos to the staff and, and our chapter for having these opportunities that we can be a part of. And volunteering is definitely, you know, it, it is not a thankless job. It is amazing the benefits that we get. I couldn't agree more. And also I have been involved in different uh, committees within the chapter and the knowledge from the business partners and other managers and the friendships that you develop along the way are just immeasurable. Uh, I mean, there are so many times that Kathy, you just said something comes up, you, you reach out to your internal company, but a lot of times you reach out to managers that are in a different management company because of the relationships or if you're serving in a committee, then there's that connection. And it's really amazing sometimes how life happens. You Sometimes people come in your life for a specific reason and they are just the right person to ask that question. So the getting involved and talking to other people and you don't get to, that will be one tip to new managers. Absolutely get involved. You, the rewards and the experience that you will gain from just talking to other people outside of your own company, it's immeasurable. And don't forget, um, in all the committees that we've all served, it's fun. Let's just say it, right? <laughs> yes. It's not like it's work. This is the one fun thing in our job or one of the fun things in our job that we look forward to. I love the golf outings and the happy hours and even the board meetings. We have fun. You know, we still get the job done, but it, it's fun. So that would be my, my recommendation as well. Get involved. And, and I'll just say uh, we see it from the staff level. We see the relationships that exist between members and it's clearly different. So I just I'll, I'll, again, use the example of the three of you. Um, you've known each other for probably many years. You've you've interacted together in volunteer efforts. You've interacted together at events. It's it's I think that makes a significant difference versus someone who just joins CAI and and may occasionally come to an event. They're they're missing out on the relationship. You all alluded to the relationships and the friendships that you've developed through the organization and through your this is your career, but that doesn't mean you can't have friendships in your career. So we certainly see that too from, from the staff point of view. So all, all really great comments you all made. Um, let me, let's turn to the topic of finances for, for a minute. This is a really critical role that all, manager, all managers fill. Um, Rosie, how would you encourage a new manager to handle their first audit? That can be kind of a daunting thing to face for the first time. Okay, so I love or I love the financial aspect of our world. And audits is one of my 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 favorites. And I know somebody will say, well, hey, I just don't picture you being in the finance, but I I do. I sincerely enjoy the whole thing. And the number one thing would be just be organized. It is it seems like, oh my God, an audit. I don't even know how to do it. Now every company will have its policies and, and, and um, guidelines on how to do a couple of things. But the, the primary thing is just be organized and tackle it. 
the number one thing you need for an audit is have an engagement letter in place. So in January and February, start sending to your auditor the new budget for the year, the board member information, prior year's minutes, any information and special assessments, bank loans, insurance losses, or any lawsuits. The accounting reports are gonna come from your accounting department, but those things that I just mentioned come from you as the manager because you're the one that's handling all of that financial data for your client. So you need to give it to the auditor and you wanna give it to him with plenty of time. That way they can start compiling all of the information if they have any questions, they can come to you. You, if you want to be even more proactive, reach out to them like around March <laughs> and say, where are you? Uh, how are things going with this? The audit draft should come in and it will be reviewed by your uh, CFO if applicable. And then once they get it, it will be sent to your board of directors for review and acceptance. If the board is okay with all of that information, you will then secure the board member signature on the representation letter and you send that back to your auditor. That will secure the final audit. Give it to the board, give it to your accounting department, post it on your website and um, also post it to, if you have a dedicated company that handles your resales like condo certs. Just so you know, I have a tracking sheet for this too. So that way I keep track every step. I log in for all of my clients, the representation letter, the audit draft, the final audit, the tax return gets signed and mailed to the IRS. So once you have all of that in place and the audit is complete, you wanna make sure you have an engagement letter for the following year. So um, the one tip on that, uh, speak to your auditor and try to get them to commit to a two year uh, service. So that way you don't have to repeat this every year. Again, it seems like a lot of work. Just be organized. You'll get it done in a flash. I was going to say, it's the message I'm hearing is, is be organized. That, that's coming clear through a lot of what you're all saying. Uh, Work-life balance. That's a hot topic these days we, with all that we've all been through during the pandemic. Um, but work-life balance has always been an important topic for community association managers. There's night meetings, um, interacting with a lot of different individuals, homeowners, arguing with each other, etc. cetera. Um, we hear this, work-life balance is critical for managers. So Lynn, let me ask you, how do you manage the work-life balance in a management environment? Well, let me just start by saying I'm going to blame this work-life balance issue on technology because 30 years ago or 40 years ago when I was a secretary in some company and I had a typewriter and not a computer and um, at five o'clock I would turn off my typewriter and pack it up for the day and go home. In this day and age, you just can't do it, right? You're constantly checking your your watch, now you even have it on your watch, you know, you're checking your social media, your phone's beeping because you got an email, you got a text message, you get a phone call, even in, in the car, we're back in my day, right? I'm not going to tell you my age, but back in the day, um, you, did, you didn't have the capability to get a call in the car. Now we find yourself, if I'm driving in the car, I'm on the phone because that's wasted time 
right? I need to utilize that time because every minute counts right now. Um, and research, believe it or not, has proven that overworking, when we're working into the night and we don't unplug and we don't let go, it, it harms the, the employee and it harms the employer. It's really not doing anybody any good. So how do you really achieve that work-life balance? Um, it's up to you. You know, first take, take a step back. And, and again, I'm gonna use the word get organized, right? Here we are talking about organization. Um, maybe you don't have enough time in your life for that work-life balance because you don't manage your time properly. Take a look at, at what are the things that you do during the day that you do, you do during the evening. What really needs to be done today? What can wait? Um, are we putting too much pressure on ourselves? This is, if, if you're looking for the type of job at five o'clock, you want to go home. Uh, maybe this isn't it because we do have board meetings and stuff, but this is also not the type of job where you can get everything done in, in one day, right? It'll be there tomorrow. And you have to tell yourself it will always be there tomorrow. Um, so I, I guess I would recommend or a tip, um, realize it's up to you to implement the change to to establish your work-life balance. Set your priorities, um, get organized, as I said. Um, keep in mind that the 50-50 work-life balance may not apply every week. Maybe you may have three board meetings one week and none the rest. But again, that's up to you. You schedule your calendar, balance it out that fits or works for you. Do you have your, your child sporting event one night. So maybe you don't want to schedule a meeting the next night or the night before, or you want to take your kids out for ice cream or it's birthday. You take control of that life. And, you know, of course, I hopefully I don't need to say this, but don't miss those birthdays or those sporting events. That should be a priority because there are the moments in life you will never get back, right? As a mother, I started, my daughter was four. She's graduating college. And, you know, maybe I missed a couple events here and there, but for the most part, I think I was a pretty good mom through this career thing, you know, and I was able to balance, to balance both. Um, and then my last tip, and it's, I say this to people all the time, and it took me a long time to do this, but on Friday, when it's time to go home, turn, turn it off, turn off work. Don't check those emails on the weekend. And, and it, I know a lot of people say, oh, I have to just look on a Sunday night and see what's there. What am I walking into on Monday? Don't, you know, train yourself. Don't, that is your time. Unwind, relax, have a glass of wine, do whatever it takes on the weekend, unplug and rejuvenate because you really do need that time. So you can't be afraid to detach from work on a Friday or be afraid to unplug. It'll all be there on Monday when you get back. My words of wisdom. I thought technology was supposed to make our lives easier. Now, you know, I, and, and I'm not a technology guru by any means, right? I, sometimes it's not my friend. Um, but, you know, constantly, you know, I, I driving on a highway, I'm amazed at how many people have their phone in their hands still put it down, you know. So, and Lynn, you know, that's 
and since this podcast is geared towards new managers coming in, they may be intimidated, but if they set that from day one, they will train everyone on how to respect their boundaries and understand their value and say at you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, unless it's an emergency, I'm not answering it. And I've even told individuals at six o'clock, put an away message on your email. Thank you for contacting me. I will respond to your email on the next business day or respond on Monday and have enough in yourself to be able to set that parameter right up front because it's so much easier to train everybody rather than having to retrain everyone that is now used to calling you at eight o'clock at night. And not that I'm going to date myself, but I remember the first fax was thermal paper (laughs) (laughs) and waiting for it to come in and how exciting that was when my office got it. (laughs) Kathy, you mentioned away messages, which, which I think is an important thing not to, to skip over here quickly because, you know, traditionally in away messages, I'm on vacation or I'm out of the office for the day. But you know what? You're absolutely right. Set in a way message five o'clock or six o'clock at night when you're done for the day. And that helps set the expectation that I'm out of the office. I'll get back to you when I'm back in the office. That's an excellent point. I would like to add to that. Uh, as a new manager, read your management contract for that specific client. If the management agreement only offers six meetings in the year, only meet with that board six times a year. I think that as new managers and people in general, you want to please people, but you can fall into that trap of giving them more meetings that they're allowed. That is not what your agreements call for. So don't be afraid, especially if you are being assigned that new client set those boundaries from the beginning. It's very important because if not, you're, you're going to get overwhelmed and burnt very quickly. And, and the other tip is as, as managers, I'm sure most companies provide a company cell phone to their managers for emergency pages or for whatever reason. Um, and when you give, we, all, we never give our cell number to, a, to the homeowners, but we give it to board members. But when you do that, you know, don't be afraid to say as you give this number, please use this for emergencies only. You know, Absolutely. I'm really more available at my desk, use my office line or after five o'clock, you know, please be respectful of my time. Here is my cell number. You can't be afraid to say that to board members because they will abuse it. Agreed. Great tips. Um, let me ask you all a final question. Um, what is one simple piece of advice you wish someone had told you when you started your career as a community association manager? I would say value and that work-life balance because it took me a long time to have a work-life balance and not to determine my worth, but you know, the community management world was always service. And you think you have to be able to do everything and you have to be superwoman, you have to be a superman and you always need to be on call and you always need to answer that question and you always need to be at that meeting. And even if you delegate, you're, you have to follow up on it and you have to make sure that you know, you're not micromanaging, but you might end up micromanaging. And over the years, I've learned A, 
to set those parameters, take a deep breath, slow down and work on balance. Look at my calendar and see what works. That's very good, Kathy. Um, I don't know that this is your exact question, um, Tony, of somebody would have told me when I began, but as a tip that I would give a, a new manager is dress the part. When you are meeting with your board of directors, you are representing your company and you are coming as a professional manager. Don't be underdressed. Don't be chewing gum. Be professional. That is what you are. And the boards will accept your guidance and your recommendations when you look the part. If you come dressed casually, it's just a very different appearance. And I know that now with COVID, everybody has relaxed and everybody comes dressed a lot differently. But when you are in front of a board or when you are holding an annual meeting with all of the owners in your, in your community, you are the professional. So come dressed accordingly and act accordingly. Rosie, I am so glad you said that. Sometimes I look at, at the dress and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have a board meeting tonight. Dude, is that a hoodie that you're wearing? Like, you know, it just, it, it, it just doesn't uh, make sense to me. Um, and the way you dress will also give you more confidence. And if you're confident at a board meeting, the board is more apt to listen to you and take your advice and take you seriously. So Rosie, um, thank you so much for saying that. Um, my words of wisdom or my advice would be don't take things personally. We're in a customer service oriented business. Uh, we're going to deal with unhappy clients, whether it's a board member or a homeowner every single day, you know, and back to how do you deal with the, the stressful situation and the people yelling at you, listen to what the person's saying show empathy. Don't take it personally. They're not yelling at you. They're just, they're worried about their home, which is the most important thing in their lives. So just help them work through that issue and, and, and it'll make you feel better inside. Well, let me thank you, Kathy, Rosie, Lynn. This has been terrific advice, a great conversation and really valuable information for new managers that are managers that are just coming into this profession really a great conversation. Thank you all. And let me thank our listeners for tuning in and for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.caikeystone.org. Thanks for listening.